the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. It's the Nick D podcast. That guy's not lying. He's not. That guy, Jason Skaggs, he never lies. Jason Skaggs, one of the coolest dudes in the world, does all the music for this podcast and my other podcast, the SNL podcast, does all the crazy sounds and all kinds of cool stuff. He's a genius. I love him. Thank you for the intro, Jason. I am Nick DeGilio. I am your host. It's episode number 153 of the Nick D podcast here with RadioMisfits.com. Radio Misfits podcast network, the best podcast network in the world, and we are now streaming 24-7. You can listen anytime you want. It's like a radio station, only better, because it's cooler. You should check it out. Radiomisfits.live. 24 hours of really cool music when unsigned bands. By the way, if you have an unsigned band uh, and you want to get your music on our uh, 24-hour service, streaming service, then all you got to do is uh, check us out at radiomisfits.com. Uh, unheard music show is a thing that uh, that we've been doing here at Radio Misfits, where we're playing some really cool music that you've never heard before, some unsigned bands, and uh, you can hear that all over the place at RadioMisfits.live. So you've got unheard music is the name of the band, is the name of the show. Great uh, musicians and artists being played all the time. Plus, incredible episodes of incredible podcasts, of which we have several. Oh my God, so many great podcasts on this network, and you can hear them twenty four seven streaming. At RadioMisfits.live. You can hear this podcast every day at 3 p.m. Central at RadioMisfits.live. And you can hear my other podcast, which is my Saturday Night Live podcast called That Show Hasn't Been Funny in Years. You can hear that every morning at 9 a.m. Central. So you can hear me twice a day on our 24-hour streaming service, which you should listen to all the time for free. RadioMisfits.live. Check it out. Another great reason to be a sponsor with Radio Misfits, and particularly to be a sponsor on this podcast, which you should do right now. If you want to advertise with us, sales at radiomisfits.com. Get in there now, uh, and there you go. And by the way, speaking of my other podcast, which is the Saturday Night Live podcast that I host uh, and put together called That Show Hasn't Been Funny in Years, it is without question the best Saturday Night Live podcast that you will hear. Uh, sometimes I have guests, sometimes I don't. I cover the wide, wide-ranging world of 48 seasons of Saturday Night Live. I am an expert on SNL and a historian, and it's great, and it's really terrific. And coming up uh, tomorrow, in fact, tomorrow the new episode drops, the brand new episode of that show hasn't been funny in years drops tomorrow. And my guest is going to be the great Stephen Tobolowski, fantastic character actor who's been on my radio show for many years, has been on this podcast about three times. He'll be making his debut on my SNL podcast to talk about, because the guy's been in 700 movies, approximately 700 movies and 375 TV shows. And he's appeared on stage and he's worked everywhere and he's done all kinds of really cool stuff. And during all of that stuff, he has crossed paths with tons of SNL cast members and ex-people who worked on the show. 
And he's got a lot of stories about working with SNL people over the many years he's been acting. I mean, obviously, most obviously, you know, because he's Ned Ryerson and Groundhog Day. Just in that movie alone, he worked with Brian Doyle Murray, Chris Elliott, and of course, Bill Murray. So that's only one movie, and that's three former SNL cast members, and he's got tons more. So great behind-the-scenes stories, his favorite SNL stuff, and working with great SNL people. That's just one of the many, many great episodes that you can find if you are not subscribing to my SNL podcast. Shame on you. You're dumb. You need to subscribe right now. Go to RadioMisfits.com, get in there, and you can find that podcast on, and this podcast at every single platform where you find them. You can go to your Apples, you can go to your Amazons, you can go to your Spotify's. Google the Nick D podcast, Radio Misfits. Boom, it pops up everywhere. So subscribe today. Coming up on today's episode, my good friend Dan Feinberg, who joins me every other week to talk TV. Despite the fact that there's a writer's strike going on, there's still a ton of television to talk about. Uh, and we will cover that as we always do. We got a couple of uh, emails from people who have questions for Dan about television. By the way, um, anytime that you want to be a part of this podcast with questions for any of my guests, like if you have TV questions for Dan Feinberg, or if you have consumer questions for people like um, Tom Appel, our car guy, or Herb Weissbaum, our consumer guy, um, if you have questions for any of our uh, regular guests, Marnie Schur from The Takeout, um, the, uh, Eric or uh, Steve, uh, who, who, who review movies uh, with me, so if you have any questions about wrestling with, for, for, for Dr. Keith Lipinski or some of the other amazing regular guests that we have on this podcast, all you got to do is uh, send me an email, and that's nickdpodcast at gmail.com. Anytime, anywhere, send me one with your questions your, or your, your concerns or anything that you feel like sharing with us and your magic megaphone requests, which we have one coming up later. When I talk with Esmeralda Leon, which I will do later, we're going to... Uh, Close out the topic of really crazy and really awful reality shows. Uh, and my dad's going to stop by and tell a joke. So all of that is coming up because it's Tuesday. My dad will stop by and tell a joke. And he might have to push this lovely young lady out of the way from the back Hi, porch. I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. I know you Hi, do, I'm Carrie yes. Russell, and I love Nick's show. Also, anytime you want to leave a voicemail message, we want to hear from you. I listen to every single voicemail message I get. I read every single email I get, and I read a lot of them on the air, and I listen to and play them a lot uh, on uh, – uh, I'm sorry. I read a lot of them off the air. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so either way, you'll be a part of this podcast. You leave a voicemail. We encourage it. We want to hear from you 24-7. It's available. Just call us anytime you want. Say whatever the hell you want. At our voicemail message at 773-417-6948. Call us now. Leave those voicemail messages, those megaphone requests. Be a part of this podcast. For God's sake, it's awesome. Be a part of it. 773-417-6948. NickDPodcast at gmail.com. That's how you get a hold of us. That's what's happening on the podcast today. Uh, so Dan Feinberg has some TV to talk about after I tell you that obviously you need to be congratulated. Congratulations. You're about to listen to the Nick D Podcast. It's by far the best decision you've made today. It makes the other podcasts seem like crap. Oh yeah, don't be a jackoff. That's right. 
That somewhere else, of course, is Los Angeles, California. Um, wow, I have no idea why I went into Joe Flaherty from 1941. Uh, I don't know why I did that. That's the first thing I think of whenever I hear Los Angeles. I think of him as um, uh, in, in 1941, right before the Jitterbug contest. <laughs> so I don't know. Hi, Dan. It's Dan Feinberg, everybody. I don't know where I'm just <laughs> going off into my own brain. I somehow... <laughs> I'm I'm here to talk about 1941. Yeah, so, uh, I, so I, let's do it. I don't have a problem with that. I could talk about 1941 for six hours. Uh, yeah, Los Angeles. That's I always think of Joe Flaherty. <laughs> I, I think you needed to give me a little bit more warning if we were going to talk about it because I've definitely <laughs> seen it and I don't dislike it. It's just been a while, so okay. Okay. you know, <laughs> I don't want to talk to someone who says I don't dislike it. I need to talk to someone who says I adore it. Those are the that's. Like, I do not adore it, but I am also definitely not one of those people who thinks that it's you know a disaster or Spielberg's worst movie or anything yeah. like that. So yeah. it's my third favorite Spielberg movie. <laughs> third, it goes, it goes Jaws, Close Encounters, nineteen forty one. That's. <laughs> There you yeah. go, man. I, <laughs> I I got I got nothing to add to that one. <laughs> I, I know, yeah, I know, I know. And I think most of most of the fact is that it's like the most Robert Zemeckis of all of Spielberg's movies. That's what I, I think. I, I can I, I I both understand why that would be and can see that. So okay, all right. Uh, anyway, we're not here to talk about oddly enough. No, we're not going to talk no. about Raul Lipschitz, who is his real name, by the way, uh, Joe Flaherty's <laughs> real name uh, in that movie. Um, anyway, when Penny Marshall asked him what your I knew uh, what's your real name, Raul Lipschitz. Anyway, I'm sorry. I'm just really—I don't know where this is coming from. Uh, lack of sleep, maybe. I have no idea. You know that they're. Uh, uh, by the way, I don't know if you're if you're aware of this or not, Dan. But they, they're turning this city into a NASCAR track as we speak. I don't know if you're aware of that. Huh? No, I. I oh. was not aware and for what? Oh, because they are doing a NASCAR race, an official NASCAR race with real NASCARs and NASCAR drivers, uh, on July 1st and 2nd, uh, in the streets of Chicago. NASCAR. I, NASCAR. NASCARs. They are changing huh. a large portion of the downtown area of Chicago into a NASCAR track in the city. And they are driving NASCARs. They're having a race in the city proper um, and shutting down parts of the expressways and parts of Lakeshore Drive and almost all of downtown for four days straight so that they can have NASCARs driving around downtown. And I'm not making this up. <laughs> Huh. I was I was briefly in Chicago two weeks ago, and so and and I would have loved to have seen that. <laughs> well, I was uh, I I actually did a little tour of it uh, last night. We're recording on a Monday. I don't even I mean to blow the illusion. Um, but last night I went to I had a very uh, I had a very happy night last night, uh, Dan. A very I went out for some very uh, uplifting entertainment. Um, the Gene Siskel Film Center downtown was showing on 35 uh 35 millimeter print of Andre Tarkovsky's The Sacrifice. So I went to go see I went to go see that fun. joyous that fun <laughs> that fun movie which is you know, of course one of the greatest movies of all time but it's not happy. And afterwards uh we went to we uh, we went into a car and started driving around because we wanted to see what they were shutting down. And, huh. and I have to tell you to see a movie that deals with like the end of the world uh and and you know, apocalyptic stuff. It was very weird to see huge portions of like Columbus drive and, and Lakeshore drive and stuff being shut down and weird stuff being set up in the middle of nowhere so that we can see race cars driving around. Hmm. Very well, strange. Uh, have fun. I, I hope no, you go out and watch the cars go for him. Nope. I'm not going to do that. I would not even, uh, I, and every Chicagoan, every Chicagoan is not even going to attempt to 
even go downtown for the next like uh, starting probably Thursday and through the following week because all the streets are going to be it's going to be a nightmare. So sounds sounds brutal. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. That's that's I don't know. I don't know how far along. I don't know if it's got out to the West Coast that we are hosting a NASCAR event like a real sanctioned. <laughs> NASCAR race in the streets of Chicago. Well, no, is it is it NASCAR or is it F one? No, it's NASCAR. Like, it's, okay, then that is really confusing. I mean, F one always takes over surface no, streets in different places, yeah. and that's kind of their gimmick for whatever yeah. that's no, worth. No, this is but. NASCAR, and that's like the big deal. It's like a big. It's like it's never been done. And they, huh. the, and apparently, there's a faction of the NASCAR circuit who are not happy with what the track is. Like, it's not safe. It's well, it's not that it's not safe, but it's just not you know, conducive to a good race and the drivers are pissed, I guess, because it's like, what are we doing? We're driving where? <laughs> huh. I'm, I'm, I'm looking, I'm looking at the official NASCAR Chicago page now to see where things appear to yeah. be set up. Man, that's uh, <laughs> definitely avoid that, Nick. <laughs> no, that's what I'm saying. It's going to be, an, and it's been a nightmare. And obviously, you know, locally here, it's a story that's on the local news and on radio and people are talking about it. If you live in this city, for the past month and up until the middle of July, it's going to be the t- hot topic of people, you know, yelling about it. But I'll tell between, you what: between that and season two of the Bear, oh, don't even get me started. Well, actually, that's one of the one of the. Why don't we get to the emails <laughs> right away then? Uh, first of all, tell everybody, uh, Dan Feinberg. You can uh, read Dan in the fine print, F I E N, because it's spelled like his last name, the fine print. And you can read him at the Hollywood Reporter. And you have a podcast that drops every Friday. Tell us about the podcast and what the latest one is about. Indeed, that would be uh, TV's Top 5, which is the weekly podcast I do with my colleague Leslie Goldberg. We cover all of the industry's news and and notes. Uh, usually we have a weekly interview with, used to back in the day, be a weekly showrunner spotlight interview where we would talk to someone about a TV show that was coming out, but then writers stopped doing promotion, what with the whole, you know, strike and all. Uh, and so we've been kind of covering and and doing our best to sometimes be covering the strike, sometimes be covering the strike in interesting ways. So two weeks ago, I believe, and I believe we talked about this when I was last here, we did uh, an hour and 40 minutes with 14 writers from Happy Endings. So that was two weeks ago's podcast. It was utterly chaotic, but I think it was interesting and entertaining. Uh, last week's podcast was just my colleague Angie Han and I talking about the year's 10 best shows at midseason, so a lot more conventional and a lot less chaotic. Uh, and this week, as of this exact second, we don't know what we're doing, but huh. we'll do something, whatever it Something will happen, and you will hear it exactly. on TV's, on TV's it, Top 5. It tends uh, to. <laughs> and, it, and it will be at The Hollywood Reporter, or you can check all of this stuff out at the fine print, F-I-E-N. Um, uh, it's interesting that you did your, your best shows thus far. We can probably get to that in a couple seconds in a little bit, uh, because I did that on the movie side here. I picked my, tis, uh, tis the season. <laughs> yeah. It's easier though. Uh, I find it easier to do that now than, than at the end of the year. I can, I just go back to this list instead of going all the way back to January. I, I used to hate doing this because it also felt like it was kind of scooping the end of the year list, but I do like getting my head into thinking mode a little bit earlier. And so it's it's a worthwhile exercise, yeah. even if it is still scooping the end of the year. It is, you know, but still it it, it it's 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 half the work, which I enjoy. It's true. Um, and pe- and people are suckers for that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, no, I've so. gotten I've got an interesting response from my top 20, I did my top 20 best and top 20 worst movies so far at the, at the halfway point. Um, and, um, yeah, and, and the response has been, been people like it. 
people like to see that. <laughs> they don't. They don't. They don't like my choices. I can tell you that much. They haven't enjoyed my choices. But but no. They, but, but it's it serves the same purpose that it serves at the end of the year. It's so you know people are always looking for new things to watch, and so yeah. if they happen to have missed something, by all means, get get some mid season top ten action out yeah. of the way. So there, and you can check that all out. That was on last week's episode it was. of uh, the top five. So make sure you uh, check TV's that out. TV's top five. TV's top five. Okay. Uh, Heath in Tennessee, in Mers Freeboro, Tennessee, says, uh, hey, Nick. And by the way, uh, I always forget to plug the fact that you can uh, send Dan questions about television of any kind. Uh, you can leave them via voicemail. I always forget to plug this. Always. 773-417-6948. Any and all TV-related questions for Dan Feinberg. He's our expert. You want his thoughts on anything, anything TV-related, we want to hear from you. i got to plug this from now on. I always forget. We've done this now. I don't know. We do this twice, twice, a, twice a month, and I always forget to do this. 773-417-6948. Or send us an email, nickdpodcast at gmail.com. And uh, Heath, without my plugging, actually did. <laughs> he says, Nick, I'm sure you're going to talk about this with Dan on your Tuesday podcast, could you ask him his thoughts on season two of The Bear on Hulu? I always enjoy both of your podcasts. Thank you. Both of my podcasts, meaning this one and my SNL podcast. Yeah. So. Oh, not both of our podcasts, like no. my podcast as oh, well. Oh, you know what? Fair you enough. know what? Nah, no, no, no. You know what? <laughs> maybe maybe I was just, you know what? I was being egomaniacal. It probably was your podcast and my podcast. Yes. That was just me being a dick. So, yes. Or, uh, or both of our podcasts when we were together on this podcast. Exactly. There's... There it is. Okay. It's all interpretive. Anyway, I was just trying to get a, a plug in for my other podcast. <laughs> totally reasonable. Go for it. <laughs> okay, it's called That Show Hasn't Been Funny in Years, and that's no podcast. It drops on Wednesdays on this network. Okay, anyway, so Heath uh, says that he wants your thoughts on or our thoughts on season two of The Bear. It's funny that he's from Tennessee, uh, and he's asking about The Bear. Um, right. And not, I would imagine, I would assume from Chicago, since I'm based in Chicago, and I would, I would assume that someone asking about the bear who listens to my podcast, uh, I don't know why I would think immediately that they were from Chicago. I don't well, know why. people but in Tennessee not. also listen to both your podcast and yeah. watch the bear. So Yeah, they uh, do, but it's just so <laughs> Chicago-centric, the show, at least. Uh, it and, is, and yet yeah. I sense from the tone of your voice when I mentioned it that you are either not a fan or have stopped watching. I stopped watching. I will not fucking watch that show again um let me just put it that way i i watched the first season and it was i thought it was torturous i i it not one moment of that thing is even remotely authentic uh to chicago at all um and and everything i hear have you watched the second season i have okay and everything i hear about the second season everybody's like oh it's nick you'll love it and it's jamie lee curtis is in an episode and, you know, uh, it's like tailor-made for you. Uh, uh, apparently, Gillian Jacobs is in an episode. Same episode, I understand. Um, and, uh, oh, it's, it's the best. I just could not get pack, past the fact that it was the most inauthentic portrayal and hipster, annoying version of this city that I've ever seen. And that's not what beef is like in this city. That's not how people act. I was angered by watching it, but I don't know. Now, as a non-Chicagoan, Dan... <laughs> Where do you stand on, on, on either season? But is the second season as good as everybody says it is? Because people love it. Um, I think the second season is better than the first. I think the second season is significantly more confident in its storytelling. I think that it is less enamored with just twisting your stomach into chaotic guts because that's kind of the way it chose to approach 
the restaurant world in the first season. I thought the first season really was very good. And, you know, obviously it has it has whatever its relationship is with with Chicago. So, yeah, yeah. you know, I know I do know Chicagoans who insist it's extremely uh, authentic, but I also know I have also heard your side from a number of people. So it is yeah. it is definitely I don't want to say a prevailing opinion, but it's it's a common opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought the second season, I, I would say pretty clearly they had a little bit more time to shoot in Chicago, but it's it's not a show that shoots in Chicago. So no, that's just the reality of it. And and the yeah. first season, I thought I thought the first season, at least in terms of its visual style and filming, I did not think it was particularly authentic. It was it sort of did away with Chicago in a couple little montage things and I, it didn't feel real. So this season, I would say that they probably got, you know, if the first season they got like three days shooting in Chicago. I think they might have gotten a week this time around. Right, so, right, right. So who knows? Uh, no, I thought that the show did a great job of expanding its ensemble in the second season. I thought the first season was... You know, it's mostly the Jeremy Allen White show, but uh, a lot of people gradually or quickly in some cases, quote unquote, discovered Io Edabiri. And uh, she was, for many people, a major incentive in the show. And I would say that probably she was the best part of the first season and probably the best part of the second season. But the second season expanded a a lot of people, including, you know, you mentioned some of the guest stars and, uh, you know. Sure, uh, but also people like Abby Elliott, who in the first season was really barely there at all. She suddenly has a full-fledged character this season. Um, I thought that Eben Moss Bacharach, uh, who played sort of the screw-up Richie, yeah. I-, I thought it, it, he was sort of a, a kind of a one-joke character in the first season. He becomes a much more full-fledged character. There are a number of very, very effective standalone episodes that, you know, there's one episode that's set in Copenhagen, which I thought was very nicely done. Uh, There is the episode with all the guest stars that is, you know, that episode absolutely is very, very stressful. There's one episode that's set in a sort of Alinea-esque Chicago upscale dining restaurant, and it has some fun with that. Um, And yeah, I I thought the show was a good deal more thoughtful and a good deal more effective in its storytelling in the second season. I liked the first season a lot, but it didn't make my top, I don't think it made my top 20 or possibly not even my top 30 for the year for last year. And um, I think there's a significantly better chance that the second season will will make my top 10 or at least my top 20 this year. I think I think it's a much better show. Um, And and I thought the first season was was solid and decent. But on the other hand, I don't think they've eliminated all of the problems that you might have had with it. So if you have reservations. (laughs) <laughs> to show about restaurant. Well, I see uh, that. I see what you did there. You did yeah, the reservations you know, so, thing. Hold on. Sometime, hold, on hold, hold on a second. There you go. Perfect. Thank you. Um, yeah. Well, well deserved. Um, yeah. So I, I, I really liked it, and yeah. it's. I, I've also enjoyed the way that the narrative on Twitter and in social media always kind of goes around in circles on whether people are loving the idea of a show that they can binge or if they're like, ah, the only way to get people to talk about your show is weekly airings. And what I will insist rather consistently is that if people want to watch your show, they'll watch it however you give it to them. Um, And, and so 
I, but I do think that the prevailing narrative after the spring of the HBO shows and all of that was, ah, see, this proves that people only want to watch shows weekly. And The Bear last week absolutely proved that people would happily watch 10 episodes of The Bear in a weekend if you the, gave them the opportunity. Oh, no, no, no. And, and, and I agree with you completely about that. I think that people will watch what you give them if you want to if they want to binge it, because everybody, you know, a ton of people I know are either through with second season of The Bear or they're almost done. Um, and you know, all the people I know, and most people are of the opinion that you are. I don't know why I'm being such a grumpus about this show, but I am. Uh, <laughs> look, there, there are you, you have an attachment to the city that you call home, yeah. and you have a particular attachment to a particular version of Chicago. And if this is not that, of course, you're going to feel as if it's a violation of that. I, you know, it's when critics get pissed off about shows that take place in the world of journalism for being inaccurate, or I'm sure often I complain that sort of L.A. set stories are not particularly Los Angeles or are cliched versions of L.A. No, you have an investment. So, of course, yeah. you're going to yeah. if it doesn't live up to what your version in your mind is, you'll take that personally. I understand that. Yeah. And I, I mean, I don't really know if there is a, a, a show or a movie that really accurately represents uh, Chicago. It's certainly not Ferris Bueller and it's certainly not the Blues <laughs> Brothers. Um, I mean, the Blues Brothers come closer than Ferris Bueller, but uh, but like this TV show, if people think that this is Chicago and this is like you know what it's like to run a beef stand, it's not. That's not well. Okay, so maybe it will help you because season two has nothing at all to do with running a beef stand. They they, they, they decided, open up a restaurant, right? They they, they, they are yeah. they are opening, so it is a ten episode process of okay. getting to that stage. So there's no effort to make it look like an authentic uh, beef sandwich restaurant. Okay. It is right. it is something different. Maybe you you could give it a couple episodes. The problem is that the first one or two they aren't bad they aren't slow but i would say absolutely that the show kind of clicks into gear around episode three of this season so yeah. well i mean i'd heard that the first episode opens with like a seven minute montage uh which is also a tribute to backdraft which is another movie i hated that takes place in chicago um so uh it's like they use the bruce hornsby song from the backdraft uh from backdraft. yes that and, sounds i hadn't yeah. thought about it but yes yeah. that so is, i don't need that i don't need that in my life i just don't <laughs> so uh <laughs> anyway, uh all right uh so there's the there's the bear and everybody is watching but you know what i will say though as you know we were talking you, you that you touched upon yes of course if you i think like you said i think people will watch if they want to binge they'll binge it and, and uh, but the point i think that some uh producers are, are saying is that you know uh, succession, you know, and these the you know the shows on HBO and things like that, the show that the the shows that pop up weekly, they get more, uh, you know, like they get more coverage on social media and on the internet if they're every week. Whereas, like right now, there's a barrage of people on social media and on the internet talking about the bear, and it's been overwhelming on my feed and everybody's feed and all kinds of stuff. But I think it'll die down in a couple of weeks. Like, you won't have that. But with Succession, it was consistent throughout the entire season. And maybe that's what they're talking about and aiming for is longer longer press and longer social media buzz. I think there's, I think there's definitely a – there's a longer tale to the coverage and commentary, obviously, of a show that airs over 10 weeks. And that's, that's just going to be inevitable. I think that the first season of The Bear – for whatever reason, because people actually were able to discover it, it ended up having a long tail of a different kind it, it, where people were kind of still discovering yeah. it 
a month or two later. Um, And it's my guess that probably by two weeks from now, people will have moved on to the next thing, whatever it happens to be. But I I think it's probably got another week or two before that happens, maybe. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I totally agree with you. But then again, I think uh, uh, this whole argument, should you drop 10 episodes or should you drop them week by week? There's there's a there's a, a smart part of the uh, of that argument to say that succession again was on people's minds and in the zeitgeist for for 10 weeks. Uh, whereas like, you know, we've got a ton of the bear now and we will have it for half the time, maybe a little bit less than half the time that you had the buzz for succession. I, I, we're going to have to see. But obviously, I mean, obviously, that's the case. But the question then just is. What what does Hulu slash FX care if they got the attention that they needed and and made sure yeah. that people were locked into their subscription for a month? Right. That's right. pretty much what they're going for. No, so. exactly. You're right. I'm just talking in terms of buzz, you know. And and again, I think also think the difference is the Succession's a really good show and the Bear isn't. In my opinion, <laughs> so that's just. I me. think I think that Succession is a better show than the Bear, right. and I also okay. think that it's a show that has more to analyze on a weekly basis. And I don't yeah. know that, yeah. uh, you know, a lot of a lot of what I thought about the first season of the Bear was that because the episodes were brief, um, just kind of expecting people to tune back in weekly for it rather than just to want to go through the whole thing, because it was just such a an intense season of television. I think yeah. it lended itself well to the buzz uh, and to the the binge model. But yeah. who knows? I'm just happy, though, that people seem to be enthusiastic and are. aggressive in their watching. No, they are. They absolutely are. And uh, and I'm I'm way in the minority on my thoughts about it. When I can't even speak to the second season, I haven't seen it. So I can't I can't even speak to it. I just hated the first season so much that uh, anyway. All right. Well, Heath is happy from Tennessee that uh, you like the bear. Well, unless I don't know, Heath Heath could hate the bear. He could. Yes. He could. And so he could be really disappointed that I'm jumping on the critical bandwagon and saying it's good. So <laughs> we never know. My apologies, Heath. Okay. So. All right. Uh, Laura sends us an email. Uh, Dan, I have, uh, uh, the first two episodes of the second season of, and just like that were bad, bad, bad. If you <laughs> haven't watched it, you didn't miss a thing. I love hearing you on Nick's podcast. Yes. She, uh, she also, uh, tweeted at us, uh, that, and this is what I've heard. Um, I'm going to confess. I watched two minutes of the first season and that was all that I needed. It just, and again, just accepting on a personal level that sex in the city was never going to be a show that was going to be for me. I am just in none of that show's demographic. And, and I am, I'm echoing everything you just said. (laughs) And, and sex in the city, you know, I don't know that I, I don't know that I tuned that one out as rapidly as, and just like that, you know, and just like that, I have no, I have no justifiable opinion on it because I've watched, only a hair more than you've watched of the second season of The Bear. Sex in the City, I watched enough episodes where I feel okay with just saying, right. not for me, just well, fine. <laughs> and, and also, did you sit through the two movies? Oh, God, no. No, oh, no, I did. no, no, uh, I no, did. no. I, I unfortunately had to. Um, and uh, and so, I, was I not only not a fan of the show, which I watched because at one point I was married, so of course I watched it. <laughs> um, and so I, I watched, you know, I've seen enough Second City, I haven't watched the whole deal. But I sat through the two movies, and I remember going to see the second movie, and the second movie is like two and a half hours long. I remember going to see like, this very quick sidebar here, Dan. <laughs> they had a press screening for this second, uh, second City, or Second City, Sex in the City movie. And it was, it was a 7 o'clock start time. We got there at 7 o'clock. The critics got there. We all got there. We're in a screening room, and it's like 
also open to uh, the public in terms of like they won tickets to see it at a private one of those. So we're there and we're sitting there and at seven o'clock, I get there at like quarter to seven. I sit down and there's a countdown on the screen that's (laughs) happening that says 15 minutes to red carpet. And I'm like, what? What is happening here? And at seven o'clock, they didn't start the movie. They did a half an hour red carpet thing for a half an hour and (sighs) did not tell the press. So not only did I have to sit through a two and a half hour movie that started a half an hour late, I had to sit through a half an hour of HBO or whatever studio uh, released the movie uh, a coverage, like a red carpet coverage from the night before the premiere. I will never forget. It was one of the, I wanted to kill somebody during that. I was like, I can't even. So my, my, my connection to the movies of those <laughs> movie version i will forever be it will ever be forever be one of the worst and most painful screenings i've ever gone to not because the movie was bad which it was but because of what we were forced to sit through and not told about yeah those are the those are tough those uh half critics half public screenings because on one hand with certain genres it really does kind of help because it lets you know, okay, well, people are laughing at this. I get to be yeah. in the middle of this or yeah. it's a I, horror I will say movie. This. People I, are scared. Yeah, I will say this. They did one with for The Boogeyman, the Stephen King uh, uh, adaptation that just came out a few weeks ago. They did a half, half critics, half was, And I actually, as a fan, I'm a fan of that movie. And it was fantastic to be in the audience with a, a bunch of people screaming and yelling. And sometimes it works. But in this case, oh, God. <laughs> it sounds painful. Oh, it was awful. So anyway, I have not watched one millisecond of the the sequel the uh and just like that i've not so just just not for me and that's yeah. and that's okay there are there are 600 t- scripted tv shows and it is entirely <laughs> reasonable <laughs> that five or ten simply not be for right. me what have you let's let's talk a little bit about your favorites so far we're halfway through the year what what would you like to to mention as the best stuff you've seen maybe some stuff that maybe people haven't been watching that they, that they could get to when they're not watching the bear yeah, let's uh, okay. So let's steer away from some of the most obvious ones. Like, there's there's really no point in discussing Succession because uh, we've we've done the hell out of that. That's yep. just fine. Uh, let's go, let's go with the one that's the most recent of the shows that made our top ten and that we haven't talked about yet, which would be uh, Boots Riley's I'm a Virgo. Um, have you had the chance to check that one out yet? I have not. No, and and I want to. I, I tell everybody about it because I'm you. I just haven't gotten to it yet. I'm such an idiot. Yeah. So- <laughs> It's, no, I want to watch it. You, and, and you brought it up, and now I'm like, God damn it, I haven't watched that yet, and uh, and I want to. It's been out for. It's only been out for four days. I think it's entirely okay. reasonable to have right. not been able to get to it. Uh, <laughs> but it is. It is seven I was episodes. Too busy, I was too busy watching a two and a half hour Russian film about uh, the end of the world last night. So I, I got. <laughs> it's all about choices, Nick. Couldn't get to it. I was too busy, happy, uh, watching a guy burn his house down. <laughs> In one take. Uh, so, okay. <laughs> so, yes. Uh, so, uh, this is Boots Riley's first television show. People who don't know, uh, Sorry to Bother You was Boots Riley's first feature yeah. film, which I thought was um, was really good. Not uh, not not great, but I thought it, it showed a lot of potential in just in terms of his worldview. Uh, and this is a television version of that. I mean, not literally a television version of sorry to bother you, but a television version of his worldview. So it's, right. it's very much a mixture of kind of angry anti-capitalist uh, um, propaganda because that is where his sentiments lie. Uh, but it is also set against what is kind of a, a fairy tale type folkloric story about uh, a couple raising a 
19 year old black boy who is or black teen who is now uh 13 feet tall <laughs> and mm. and mm. they have tried to keep him sheltered in in their house and in a shed <laughs> in the back because right. they suspect that the world is not going to be ready for him right this this seems very likely right uh, but then in circumstances uh he finds himself out in the world and shockingly the world is not ready for him there's also a a back a superhero backdrop because walton goggins plays a a billionaire publisher um he's got long hair so he definitely isn't supposed to be based on jeff bezos um but he created a comic book character called the hero and then became that character himself. And so there becomes a, a superhero backdrop thing wherein uh, the hero decides that this 13 foot tall teenager is a threat to him. And uh, it becomes kind of a, a nemesis relationship though in seven episodes, it's tough to fit all of that in. It's uh, the, the effects to achieve the 13 foot tall character are really fun. It's, it's kind of a mixture of, of little bits of, of probably computer stuff, but also lots of forced perspective. There are definitely extended scenes that are done with puppetry that are just kind of crazy and fun. You just go, mm -hmm. Oh, I see how they did that. Uh, and and again, it's also it's it's an anti-capitalist satire, and so there's there's some anger, but also uh, Jarell Jerome, who was one of the stars, he won an Emmy for When They See Us. He he's just terrific as the main character. Uh, he gives the character a real sweetness, a real innocence, uh, and and it's a really quick show. It's only seven episodes, 30 minutes ish a piece. Uh, it probably sets itself up for a second season, but you can get through it really, really fast, basically in the time of a Tarkovsky movie. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's how they're advertising it on Amazon. It's, is that other, is that right? <laughs> you could either watch a Tarkovsky movie or seven episodes of, uh, I'm a Virgo, right. Jake, your pick, whichever right. one works for you. Right. Um, and so, <laughs> And, and so it's it, it's really good. It has it has some flaws. The superhero stuff isn't great uh, because it's just obviously not a thing that interests Boots Riley as much. Uh, unfortunately, for anyone who's seen Sorry to Bother You, he's he's very much a Bay Area filmmaker, Bay Area yeah. storyteller. And, and presumably to make the budget, they shot this in Louisiana. And so it doesn't have that kind of grounded authenticity going back again to something like the bear you know if you don't shoot in a place but you try to get whatever location to double for it sometimes it just isn't going to work yeah. and uh and so it doesn't come across feeling very much like oakland at all and that's a disappointment maybe if season one does really well season two they'll give them the money to shoot in in the bay area but yeah so uh but i i think it's i it is just such a a different show it, like you could compare it to things but its voice is so completely and totally its own. And I really appreciate and approve of that. So, uh, so yeah, that is the most recent and it just premiered last week on Amazon. It's, it's all available. Um, very, very quick binge. So cool. Yeah. I will definitely jump in. That's called I'm a Virgo and you can watch it on prime. Uh, and that is one of the best shows of uh, 2023 so far. Anything else you want to, uh, absolutely. It's your um, best. Keep going. I want to I want to mention uh, Taste the Nation with Padma Lachmi. Um yeah, we talk all the time about uh, Top Chef. So and and this is this is 
basically Padma's kind of standalone vehicle. It's it's partially what she left Top Chef to do more of. Yeah. Um, and you know, a little sad about that, but it's such a good show, and it's uh it's I'm just a big fan of the travel genre and uh, the travel food genre in particular. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you can hear that I'm getting attacked yeah, now, by I, I can hear. It's fine. It's great fun. Yeah. Uh, but it, so basically she goes city to city and she meets with people in different immigrant communities in different cities. And so whether it's, uh, whether it's, oh God, why am, I, why am I blanking? The Russian, Ukrainian immigrants in, in New York City, for example, mm-hmm. or Nigerian immigrants in, uh, in Houston. And she basically learns about the immigrant cultures uh, through their food, talking about assimilation, uh, ethnic identity. It, it's just such a celebration of America as a melting pot. And Padma is such a wonderful host. And yeah. she she learns how to cook things. She learns entirely random skills in this new season. She chops wood at some point, and she's never done that before. She butchers a pig's head. And it's absolutely hilarious to watch. And, and she's just so smart and so funny. And uh, yeah, so that's that's Hulu. Uh, Taste a Nation with Padma Lashmi, and it's it's just a, a really great show. And then I feel like last time or maybe two times ago, we talked about the third and final season of Happy Valley, uh, yeah. which also made my top 10 uh, or met. I guess Angie Hod and I, we split it into two different top fives, gotcha. 10 total, did it alphabetical. Again, that allows us to at least have some surprises left over for the end of the year. So, right. yay, right. surprises. Uh, but yeah, uh, Happy Valley, the third season, just again, a, a absolutely titanic performance by uh, Sarah Lancashire. Uh, great performance by James Norton. It's sometimes funny, but mostly not. It's just gripping and, and just great television. And uh, so... It's on AMC Plus. It's on Acorn TV. I believe episodes actually aired and have aired on BBC America as well. So there are lots of different ways to get your hands on Happy Valley. But yeah. uh, I, I can't recommend that one strongly enough or okay. highly enough. Uh, it's funny that you mentioned that. So Happy Valley, I'm a Virgo, uh, Taste of Nation are the, are the three big ones that are part Just- of... Just three that are sort of a, a tiny bit outside the box. Uh, also, I could mention Dave. Uh, I, I keep remembering or misremembering. Have you watched any of Dave or not? Yes, I have. How much? Jeez, uh, not much. Not okay, much. So, so you stopped. Is, uh, yes. Do you have any sense of where you stopped? Because I, I feel like the show that it eventually becomes, I think you would probably like a lot. But as I always have to explain to people, it takes five or six episodes for both to get the feeling for what the show wants to be and then for the show to start stepping outside of its comfort it, comfort zone to be something better. Here's the thing. And I, you've told me that before, and I haven't yeah. gotten past the point of being uncomfortable with it. Totally. It, it's completely reasonable and... Uh, and you just, you know, you either have to say, okay, this is the time I'm going to make sure I get to episode five right. and six and seven right. of the right. first season, right. or accept that it's going to be a show that won't necessarily be for you. Um, I can, I can tell you that Jane Levy has a cameo in the third season. Oh, <laughs> uh, oh, oh, well, that changes everything. It um, is, only, it is only for one episode. But, all right. Uh, well, that's enough for me. And the and the Rachel McAdams ha- and Rachel McAdams of your favorite movie of the year has uh, <laughs> yeah. an extended supporting role oh, as Rachel man. McAdams. Okay. Um, and 
so fantastic spring for Rachel McAdams between Are You There God and and Dave. Uh, cool. So here, lots of great guest stars in the in the third season. But even still, even without great guest stars, I think it's a really damn good show. Okay, cool. Um, and you know, you mentioned uh, Happy Valley is like, oh, it's on AMC, it's on BBC, it's here and there. Uh, these the AMC. We've talked about this before. AMC, the AMC Plus. Um, uh, it just it's where you can see these shows is confusing and weird and just like it's almost as like as confusing as like it's an FX production, but it's only on Hulu. Uh, you know what I mean? Like like it's these I don't know why certain things have to be so confusing to watch. Like, where can I see this and why it's an FX production, but it's on this thing or why it's AMC plus, but it's on Shudder or what? I don't I don't understand this. Uh, why it's so it has to be so confusing. It's the it's the challenge of these multi-outlet corporate entities and kind of putting things across multiple of them and sometimes using them to drive people to different outlets but even then not necessarily it it is absolutely confusing to not necessarily know what shows air on FX as an actual network anymore the answer is I'm, i really don't know and i feel yeah. like they think <laughs> that most people simply watch everything on hulu i i think that is that is the impression that most people at FX seem to have is that Hulu is where people watch FX programming and they just have to keep repeating to people, okay, that means, you know, FX is still FX. Hulu is just where you watch it. So right, right. it's tough, but, but all of the various companies have like, like this week I have a review up uh, for a, a darkly comic thriller called Average Joe, which right. is a really solid above average, regardless of what its title says, uh, TV show. It's it's kind of in that simple plan uh, kind of vein of, you know, shows or movies about ordinary people who who find large sums of money and discover that money causes more problems than whatever. And it's it's just a show that BT. Plus has had no way of promoting because BET Plus doesn't really have ways of promoting anything. And very few critics wrote about it. I made a point to write about it because it's a decent show. I I compared it in my review to, to like as good or better than Ozark. I don't love Ozark, of course. So that's right. kind of a different thing. Uh, but like, there's an audience for this show. And the audience would probably maybe find it if one of the other Paramount properties was airing it whether that was paramount plus or whatever but bet plus just hasn't convinced you know it's convinced some people that they need to have bet plus in their life but i don't know that it's i don't i don't know there's any visibility of this show or where it's available and it's, it's i didn't know anything i didn't know anything about it till I, I i have your review up in front of me on my phone right now i'm looking at it right now and i hadn't i until i looked at your review the other yesterday or whenever it went up yesterday i think um I didn't even know existed until I, I saw your piece. Nope. Nor, and, and nor does anyone else. And, and that's kind of, that's kind of why I wrote it is because, yeah. because sometimes you have to go out and say, okay, this is, this is not a, a distribution hub or streamer or channel or whatever that you necessarily normally watch. But if you do, if you say, for example, have a free week of uh BT plus or whatever, Maybe you would find yourself liking it. Would you necessarily find other things you wanted to watch on BET Plus? I, I don't necessarily know, but I would like to see Paramount 
uh, as an overall corporation, try to find a way to get more eyeballs on this show, whether okay. it's putting the first episode up on Paramount Plus or what, because it's it's confusing and it's and it's again confusing with. Uh, with Happy Valley, with uh, Sisters, a show that I know you watched and liked that yeah. kind of aired wherever it was it, that it, it yeah. aired. Yeah, yeah. It was just it, for, strange. But uh, Average Joe, so it's only on BET+. Plus. That's the only way you can you can get it. As of as of now, and so we'll see if they put it on Paramount Plus. We'll see if they put it on uh, simply on BET. If they give it a if they give it a couple airings on BET, it's not a you know, it's a slightly violent show and there's definitely swearing on it, but I don't see any reason why they couldn't air it in a 10 p.m. slot on BET and kind of mm. let people know it's out there. And I right. think definitely more people have access right. to BET on their cable systems. Yeah, than, I, I, I have yeah. BET. I don't have BET Plus, but I have BET. Yeah, for well, sure. you'd ha you, you would have to pay extra for it. And so right. you, you would have had to. And, and they've had shows before uh, that have been semi-successful. They had... Uh, a remake reboot of First Wives Club that got a little bit of pr press when it premiered. Uh, they they had the Miss Pat show, which surprised a bunch of people a couple of years ago when it was nominated for a directing Emmy. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, at whatever, whatever it takes to get disability. Uh, and so... Yeah, so so I reviewed it basically to say this is a thing that might interest you, but well, you probably don't have the service and couldn't. Well, get on it my anymore. end, mission accomplished because I I looked at your piece and I was like, I don't know what this is, but you made me want to watch it, so now I do. I want to watch it. Um, so and that's called Average Joe, and the piece that you wrote is available at your at the fine print and at the Hollywood uh, Reporter right now. You you mentioned Emmys. Um, you guys are starting to do your guesses at Hollywood Reporter, uh, your predictions and stuff. Um, you know, the next time that we talk, I believe, well, we'll, I think we're recording the day before the nominations are announced, if I'm not hmm. mistaken, or two days before the nominations are announced is the next time we speak. Yes. Because the nominations are July 12th. You know this. I do not know that. <laughs> okay. Um, I mean, it's, it sounds right. But... Okay. I'm, from what I understand, I believe... Um, that the Emmy nominations are announced on uh, July 12th. And the next time that uh, you will hear, we will hear you on the show will be the, the show that drops on the 11th. So maybe we can do our prediction. You can do your predictions on that day and see the next day if you're right. We can do a little follow-up the next time. Seems plausible. I think this is going to be a, an odd year for the Emmys because it's there just are, are those big goliath shows that ended whether it's uh obviously succession barry um but ted lasso even though no one knows whether or not ted lasso actually is over uh just a lot of shows like that and it's going to be interesting to see if if the four or five better uh shows that that wrapped their run if they're going to be kind of the dominant shows and what shows are going to get squeezed out as a result i will be yeah. curious I'm curious to see. You know who I'm curious to see if 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 she's going to get nominated. Who? And I know this is going to be out of nowhere, and it's from a show that was uh, that that I I didn't even watch all the episodes of. Uh, I'm curious to see if Molly Ringwald gets nominated for Dahmer. I would just guess because, she won't. Just, I, I okay, just don't. Just because I love her, and I would love to see her. <laughs> <laughs> and, I mean, I think Dahmer is definitely going to get nominations, and it's going to get nominations that are out of proportion with its quality. But I think yeah. that I think <laughs> that Evan, sure. I think Evan Peters, Niecy Nash, and Richard Jenkins are all locks for nominations. And I don't know if it's going to go deeper than that. Okay, so. all right. I just I don't care about anything else except that I would love to see Molly Ringwald get nominated for just doing anything because I like her very much. 
And she was the only thing in that. I mean, I didn't see the whole show, and she was the only thing in that show of the episodes that I watched that I didn't hate. Um, so she was not bad. She also had a very, very good uh, one episode role on single drunk female. Uh, she will not get nominated for that either, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, good okay. to get well, little little bit of Molly Ringwald out there in the world. Yes, and that's always a good thing as far as I'm concerned. So, uh, but no, we'll do this the next time. The next time uh, that we that we talk, um, we can get your your predictions on what you think will be nominated, and then we'll find out 24 hours later whether you were right or not. I will not be right. <laughs> I I can just guarantee you on that one. I will be largely incorrect. Well, then hell, we won't even record next time. Then uh, so the, um, no, I I have no problems with being wrong. Yeah. So we okay. can absolutely do all that. And if I look dumb, well, fortunately. I'm I'm the host, so you're fine. Uh, so you, you've always got someone who's even dumber uh, talking to you. All right, before we get out of here, you did mention sisters. Uh, you know, like Happy Valley, uh, AMC Plus, and other things, and BBC, and everywhere. And I don't know. Um, I just want to say that I I I actually loved the show. Um, I really did. I know you liked it, but you had some issues with it, and I can understand that. But for some reason, I I I just kind of adored it, and I. And I love that it's open for a second season. Like it's, you know, it has a satisfactory ending, but clearly if it's not over, they can do a second season because they set up for it. Um, I love the two leads very much. I thought all the supporting performances were great. Um, I, I, my favorite uh, trip I've ever taken in my life was Ireland. And I spent a good deal of time in Galway and on the weird roads and in the pubs. And, um, <laughs> and I just, I, I loved it so much. Uh, in so many ways, uh, and Sarah Goldberg is just amazing. Uh, I just, I, I don't know. I was a big fan of it. I know you had, uh, you know, some reservations about it. But overall, of the six episodes, um, what were your overall thoughts on it? And do you think it's going to come back? I have, uh, I have no idea if it's going to come back because I have no idea. Well, it's, it will only come back if its ratings were good in Ireland. That is sort of yes, the, yes. that is the principal <laughs> thing. And I have no clue what right. its ratings were in, in Ireland. I, right. you know, I assume that IFC would probably be perfectly happy to air it again if a second season existed, but I don't know that they would be clamoring for it, especially given how little they promoted it and other weird things. But no, generally, I, I generally I, I had positive feelings about it, particularly about Sarah Goldberg and She's and some great. of the guest stars, yeah. uh, and I, I liked a lot of it. I it didn't necessarily build to anything revelatory for me, but I absolutely thought it was a good show, and just for her and her co-star as as kind of a let's make a show together, let's yeah. write a show together. I thought yeah, it was yeah. a, a great showcase and vehicle in that respect. I agree. I agree. And I, I mean, I, I just was a big fan. And as I told you before we started recording, um, you know, it's about uh, uh, them going to find their father, uh, their sisters. Well, they, well, half sisters and uh, let's, I'm not going to get into the whole plot, but anyway, <laughs> they're searching for their father. And when you find out who the father is, as I told you uh, before we recorded, I was like, I felt really old. I was like, Oh my God. When I found out who the actor was, I was like, I so am, I'm, I'm, I'm old right there be, with you. I'm old enough to be Sarah Goldberg's father. I, no, I don't. I don't know how to tell you this. Nick, I don't even. But... Oh my god. <laughs> anyway, but I thought the show was terrific. And again, it was on IFC. And yeah, you're right. They didn't advertise it. You know how I found out about? I told you this, right? How I found out about it. Uh, I th- I'm pretty sure you told me because I, I feel like you knew you knew more about it than I did when you first mentioned it. Like, <laughs> yeah, I only knew it yeah. existed, but you right. definitely knew more than I did. Well, and here's why. I was doing – I don't even know what I was doing. I was doing stuff around the house, and I was scanning through the the channels, 
And IFC runs like, I don't know, 15 episodes of Parks and Rec back to back to back to back to back. And I just, I was like, oh, there's something I can just have on, you know, I turn it on and I've got Parks and Rec on because it's, you know, comfort food and it's awesome and it's funny and I love it and I could watch it, you know, and not watch it at the same time. And at every commercial break, they were like, sisters. And they were showing us, like, well, what is this? And I had never heard of it. And, if, and I, there were no other advertisements for it anywhere unless I was watching at 6 o'clock in the morning, you know, <laughs> a marathon of Parks and Rec. I mean, I, I mean that's hey, how le- they were advertising it. But so at least know. it means that they were advertising it. I mean, yeah. they, they, they found you where you were, which yeah, is all did. that anyone aspires to yeah. in the, the marketing yeah. advertising. It's finding Nick where he is. Right. And it worked. <laughs> right. Right. And luckily, I wasn't at a very depressing three-hour Russian film uh, at that time. So it worked out okay. But no, I, and I, I would recommend people to seek it out. Uh, you can watch it on IFC. It's also on AMC+. It's also on BBC uh, America. And that's Sisters, uh, which I think is a very funny and very lovely show. And it's half an hour. Each episode is half an hour. You can binge through that in less time than you can watch a Tarkovsky film. Um, so there you go. All right. Uh, so uh, the, uh, the uh, TV's Top 5 is out now. Um, and you don't know what you'll be doing for this th- this Friday. <laughs> there's there's yeah. always news. I'm sure there will be strike-based coverage that we exactly. will be able to do. So, And by the way, we didn't mention this, but the DGA did sign a contract. So they did, they not, did. Go, they did not go to uh, strike. They, some, lots, of, lots of people have reservations about I, the deal that they signed, but uh-huh. they, they absolutely agreed. They so yeah, We'll see what happens. Okay, cool. All right, well, Dan, uh, everybody can read you at The Hollywood Reporter and at The Fine Print, F-I-E-N. And the next time we talk... We will get Dan's predictions for the Emmy nominations for 2023. Woohoo! Looking forward to it, Nick. Okay. All right, Dan. Take care, buddy. You too. Bye. Okay. There you go. Dan Feinberg. He's the best. Uh, he is our TV guy. And let us now talk to Esmeralda Leon. Esmeralda. Yeah. Esmeralda Leon. Yeah. Esma. I'm talking about that Esma. Esmeralda Leon. That theme means, of course, it's time to talk to Esmeralda Leon, who joins me on every single episode of the Nick D Podcast right here on Radio Misfits Podcast Network. So let's say hello to Esmeralda. Hi, Esmeralda. Hello. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Oh, you know, it's good. Good. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's fine. What the hell? Um, all right, cool. Uh, it's Tuesday. Did you do anything over the weekend or just uh, lay low? What? What? Uh, anything happen? I uh, just laid low. Yeah. Okay. All right. There you go. All right. Well, uh, so we are here. We've got uh, a magic megaphone uh, that we're going to get to in a couple of seconds. By the way, if you have a magic megaphone message that you would like to leave, leave it via email or via voicemail, and that's nickdpodcast at gmail dot com. Anything you want me to say or do into the magic microphone, it's you or 773-417-6948. And uh, we've got uh, an email that we want to catch up on uh, as well. By the way, um, yesterday, um, mm-hmm. um, I was downtown. I went to see uh, a very happy movie called The Sacrifice from, 1980- <laughs> from 1986. <laughs> 
Um, Sounds like a real laugh riot. It's oh, it's <laughs> hilarious, Esmeralda. It's hilarious. It's a it's a classic. This is this has all the makings. Let let me describe it very quickly for you, Esmeralda, and you let me know sure. how much fucking fun I had yesterday watching this movie. Uh, it's a it's a it's a Russian slash Swedish movie mm-hmm. from 1986. It is two hours. Okay. And f- it's two hours and forty minutes long. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is from director Andre. Uh, Tarkovsky, who mm-hmm. is known for hilarious movies like Solaris and Stalker. Um, and most people know his movies because when they went to film school, they were forced to watch them. That's what that's, mm, okay. he's one. You know, he's one of those guys. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where, where like whenever I tell people, yeah, I'm going to go see the 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 uh, Tarkovsky movie. They're like, oh, what are you? Is it homework? You know, it's that it's that kind of response is what you get. <laughs> Um, and I voluntarily go to see Andre Tarkovsky movies because I think he was one of the greatest directors of all time. And this was his last mm-hmm. movie, and it was released about three months before he died. <laughs> so doesn't all of that already sound like fantastic? Oh, yes. Very um, uh, light topic. Yeah. <laughs> Erlen Josephson, who was the lead actor, starred in many depressing uh, Bergman movies. Mm-hmm. Um, Sven Nykvist, who is the cinematographer, shot a lot of Bergman movies, including the movie where um, the main character plays chess with death on the beach. So this is the kind of movie <laughs> we're talking right. about. So, <laughs> and the plot of the movie is it's about a man who is celebrating. He's an, he's a, an older gentleman who is celebrating his birthday with his family and who has a, 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 a crisis of faith when World War Three breaks out and the world is going to end. That's what mm. that's what, mm-hmm. that's what the movie's mm-hmm. about. As you should, I guess. So that's that's what I did with my evening yesterday. Um, and I went with my friend Julie, and she, and so we went. And she, I was like, "Hey, you want to go see this? Is this is how good of a date I am?" I'm like, "Hey, you want to go see Tarkovsky's The Sacrifice?" Good lord! And she was like, "You know, I haven't." And this is exactly what she said. She, you know, I haven't seen that movie in many, many years. I think the last time I saw it, I was uh, in film school. And I'm like, "Yeah, that sounds about right." <laughs> so um, she was like, "Yeah, I'm game." And uh, and we went, and it was at the the Gene Siskel Film Center down on on Washington. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a magnificent movie. It's not, you know, you don't you're not walking on air when it's over. Um, right. <laughs> I would think you would go inward. Yeah. yeah with your much, thoughts. That's pretty much what you do. But when it was over, um, you know, we we talked a little bit cuz you're both a little you're a little cuz it's an it's an I mean it's actually in all in all seriousness it's a fucking amazing movie and it's mm-hmm. but it's devastating and it's beautiful and it's weird and there's a lot of stuff going on there's questions about God and questions about I don't know. There's you know, it's just there's a lot of shit happening in this movie and it, it, the sacrifice right. the sacrifice that is what the title is about is about the old man basically burning down uh, his house and everything in it to make a sacrifice to the Lord for letting them live. That's basically, and the, and the, the, one of the notorious things about the movie is that the last like six minutes of the movie is a house burning down and he does it all in one take and you can't fake that. Like he burnt, they burn a fucking house down and he's got one camera. (laughs) And if you screw that up, what do you do? You know what I mean? Like what happened? Right. Um, and it's astonishing to watch like this last like seven, eight minute take at the end is just this house fucking burning and these people acting around it and doing these incredible things that are choreographed. It was just, it's incredible. But anyway, so afterwards we're like very like, Oh God, what are we going to do? And so she had drove, I'd taken the train down and she drove down and parked in the, in the lot next door. 
And, um, and so we were going to hang out afterwards. And so to get out of the bad mood, Esmeralda, here's what we did. We, uh, we tried to drive around the, uh, the track and the surface where the NASCAR race is going to be. <laughs> mm, right. Now, How have, did you do that? Oh, well, I guess they haven't shut down everything they, yet. A lo- oh, they, were in, we, they were in the press because this was, you know, we're, we're recording this not to break the illusion, but we're recording this on a Monday afternoon. This is a Tuesday right. morning if you're listening right away. But this, so this was last night. So this was like we got out of the movie at around 8 o'clock. And we drove around, and they were in the process of shutting pretty much everything down, you know, because uh, we went down to Columbus and drove down there, and that's all shut down, and they're setting up all the food mm-hmm. tents for the middle. Um, and so we had the, like, on her phone, she, she put the, the actual, uh, the whole racing, uh, where, where the cars are going to go. Why am I blanking on that? The, not the track or the... The... the, the I mean, I guess it will course, be a temporary track. The, the course is what I'm is what I'm trying to think of. The course, that's the word. So and where it is, and so we were trying to drive around and see, you know, what was being built and what was happening. And I got to tell you, uh, we're screwed, uh, Esmeralda. That's all I'm saying. You might want to just like not go downtown at all for the next like three weeks. That's, that's all oh I'm yeah, saying. I don't oh, go downtown. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm just saying if it I ever occurred the, to you, I live the no downtown life. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm just saying continue living that. If for some reason someone says, hey. Here's something that's happening, uh, you know, east of Clark. No. (laughs) East of Clark and south of, like, Oak. Don't do it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just don't do it. So, uh, but we were driving around and looking around. We kind of pulled over a little bit to see what they were building and all kinds of stuff. And it really is um, a large chunk of the loop in the downtown area will be dominated by this. And we and it was inconvenienced and crazy, and nobody was out there on a Sunday night yet. This is a week before the event. And it was it, it was crazy. Can you remember a time when we when the city or people or, or anything around it was sort of this Oh, the Olympics would have been the we never got the Olympics. But uh remember when the whenever when when we were supposed to get the Olympics? Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 it, that was kiboshed like immediately. Do you remember that? Yeah. <laughs> I remember watching it in the morning. You know, because everybody's like, "Yay, we're gonna get the Olympics!" Oh, everybody was excited. And I was like, "No, yeah, this is gonna be." Yeah, they had a big TV set up right. outside, yeah, yeah. like waiting for the announcement of who they were announcing, and we didn't get. We weren't. We weren't on it that list. It was fucking. <laughs> I remember watching it. I was living uh, in in your neck of the woods. I was living in Albany Park at that time with my ex-wife, and uh, and I was anti. I was on the radio on, at the car wash, screaming about how I didn't want the Olympics here. You know what I mean? Like I, you know. I didn't want them here. Like 90% of the people in the city didn't want them here. Uh, it would have been a nightmare. Yeah, I mean, this is one weekend coming up. You know, the Olympics is two weeks. It would have been, can you imagine if yeah. the Olympics, I mean. And, 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 it would have, ugh, yeah. And, and this course is just in downtown. The Olympics would have been all over the city in different venues. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it would have been an even bigger nightmare. It would have been two weeks of bullshit for, and much more encompassing. So I remember um, Heather and I, because I'd been talking about it on the air, and I was, and a lot of people would call up the radio station and get mad at me because I was like, well, "Why wouldn't you want to be proud of your city?" I'm like, "Yeah, I'm real proud of my city. I just don't want a bunch of assholes here." You know, I <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and uh, I remember uh, at that time, uh, Richie Daly was the mayor, mm-hmm. and uh, they got the, you know, not not only was everybody excited about it, but they got <gasps> they got the support of Oprah. Remember, and when you get the support of Oprah. <laughs> 
Oh. I'm amazed that we didn't get it. Yeah. Because of Oprah. I'm shocked. And it was, you know, probably the first time, you know, that she's ever been denied anything that she's ever wanted in her life. Um, right. So, so I remember watching it and everybody's down there. I think they were down in front of Daily Center at the time. I think like mm-hmm. right by the, right by I think the, so, yeah. by the Picasso. And there's like a thousand people out there and they're all excited. And the first city that got eliminated was Chicago. Like literally. It was like, so anticlimactic like they had the build up on the morning shows and they're like yeah we're gonna go live to chicago and they're gonna announce the cities you know the city you know for the olympics and oprah was there and the mayor was there and everybody was yay and there's thousands of people out there and they're like no chicago no and people were like what <laughs> it was it was literally like it it all the hype and everything for like weeks and months building up to this thousands of people get down there you know, the, the broadcast starts at 7 a.m. By 7.06, we were eliminated, I remember. Yeah. It was, like, it was like, you set up that TV and everything for yeah. just the five minutes where they went, nope. <laughs> but could you imagine that, Esmeralda? Oh, my God. Heather and I were like, well, here's the deal. We're leaving town for two weeks, and we're renting out our condo. That's what, what our plan was. It was like, I mean, if they get the Olympics here. You know, well, by that right. point, we were, by that point, when it would have been because it was 2016, right? I think it was the Olympics. Um, that, I think so. Yeah, I think it was 2016. Was that was the was the Olympics? Because it was for were, what? What were they going to get them for? For uh, 2020, I don't even remember. That's what the I mean. 2006. Olympics were. <laughs> no, no, no. That's what I'm saying. I think this was this was like 2008, and I think it was for 2016 when they made oh, the announcement okay. that. We, so I think what they were doing was this was like eight years in advance. And Heather and I uh, were like, yeah, well, we're leaving town. But, well, we, it, it was convenient enough. We were divorced by then. So it didn't. <laughs> so, so there you go. So it didn't even, it didn't even matter. But, um, but yeah. So, God, could you imagine that? Oh. Yeah, so anyway, it would be awful. If you, are, if you are curious about what's happening and uh, the things that are being shut down and the stuff that's being built and the changes that are being made to the loop right now as we speak, in preparation for this NASCAR thing. It's pretty surreal. That's all I'm saying. We did that last night. It was a little weird. Interesting. But you don't get downtown uh, 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 very often then. No, I have no no reason to. No No reason. To me, downtown is the theme park that I don't care to, because to me, that's not Chicago. Downtown is, is just the Disneyland area that everyone yeah. likes to think it is but it isn't <laughs> i just i think of that i mean i think that's uh, for me that's a little too general what you're saying because i think navy pier represents that like navy pier to me is everything that i can't stand about you know nobody who lives in chicago goes to navy pier unless yeah. relatives are in town do you know what i mean that's mm-hmm. nobody like people are like yeah you look at chicago like people who don't live in chicago go oh they all they must go to that merry uh, merry-go-round the fair t- <laughs> not the merry-go-round the ferris wheel they <laughs> the, they probably go to the Ferris wheel all the time. They go, to no, we don't. We don't, unless we're forced to, or unless like somebody comes. Nobody eats deep dish pizza in Chicago unless exactly. relatives come in. You know what I mean? Yep. <laughs> so, but I don't feel that way about the entire downtown area. There are certain parts of it that are, that are more annoying than other parts. But, but I will say this, Esmeralda. I, I understand exactly what you're saying, and I will say this. Thursday night, this is past Thursday night over the weekend, Mm-hmm. I went to go see the wondrous, the fantastic, the disgusting, the magical Sarah Squirm, um, who people now know as Sarah Sherman. Well, that's because it's her real name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Sarah Sherman, she's on, <laughs> she's on SNL now, and she's been on SNL now for two seasons. And uh, she spent a significant amount of time here in Chicago in the underground comedy world. And I know you know this. Um, 
And she does crazy, really gross, disgusting, sort of David Cronenberg-esque body horror comedy. That's kind of her thing. And she played at Thalia Hall on uh, Thursday night. And I went, and it was great. And I got to meet her really quickly afterwards, and it was fucking amazing. And she was incredible. But let me just uh, say this. Now, what you were saying about what the, the stuff that you don't like about being in downtown Chicago, because mm-hmm. it's not really Chicago, I had not been in Pilsen in probably five years. That is one of the most genuine and best fucking neighborhoods in this city. Yeah. Well, that's not uh, downtown. No, 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 no. This is what I'm saying. The difference. What I'm, what I'm saying is the difference between what you don't like about downtown and Pilsen is, is what I'm saying. That's an example of a real neighborhood. You know what I mean? That's, that's not downtown. It's Chicago. So, yeah. So what I'm saying is that that's an example of what you're talking about. You don't like the generic carnival quality of a lot of downtown. Well, the polar opposite of that is visiting or living in Pilsen. And I have, and I, but I hadn't been there since I haven't been there in five years. I'm obviously, you know, for, for about two and a half years, I didn't leave or do anything because of the, the, the pandemic. And then the shit that I went through after I got fired, I kind of stayed on my own and didn't do anything. But the last time I was in Pilsen was when I went to, when I went to Talia Hall to see John Carpenter about five years ago. Mm -hmm. And and I went there for for Sarah, and I, you know, in, and as soon as I got off the the Ashland bus, and I was walking around again, I was like, God damn it, I miss this place. And um, my friend Mike used to live in Pilsen, so I used to hang out there all the time. And I would end up down there. A lot of the people that I knew from Factory, some people lived in Pilsen, so I was in Pilsen quite a bit, hanging out in the bars and stuff like that. When I used to be a drinking man, I would go down there to drink and stuff too. But I hadn't been to Pilsen in years. That's like one of the coolest neighborhoods in the city. Oh Have yeah, you, for sure. I mean, it's just so fucking cool, and uh, and what, by neighborhood I mean like like a real neighborhood because like you walk down. I was walking down 18th Street to go to Talia Hall, and immediately I was like, God damn it, I miss this place because I remember everything came rushing back about why I liked hanging out there and why I loved visiting my friends who lived there and stuff was mm-hmm. because there were a lot of mom and pop shops right on 18th Street with their doors open and it was a warm night and they were sitting outside and they were drinking some beers and hanging out. And, um, there was music playing from every window and every car. There was every ethnicity that you can imagine walking down the street and talking and having fun. There were, I don't, I mean, you know, there are unbelievable, beautiful murals that are painted in alleys and on the sides of buildings all over the place. It's just alive with what this city, what's best about the neighborhoods in this city. Oh yeah, for sure. And, and God, I just felt fucking great while I was there. I was like, man, this is, this is what, this is exactly the reason. Because I grew up, you know, in Wrigleyville, you know, like in the city. And there, when I was growing up in Wrigleyville, it wasn't, you know, it was not, it was not Wonder Bread when I grew up. When I grew <laughs> up there, you know what I mean? Uh, every ethnicity you can possibly imagine. It was mostly when I grew up in in Wrigleyville. It was mostly Hispanic. And and you know, now you go to Wrigleyville, and it wasn't called Wrigleyville, by the way. That shit didn't happen until the 80s. Um, so to get that feel, God, man, it was so great. And then afterwards, I walked up 18th Street um, and, and I went on the pink line. I haven't been on the pink line in fucking like six years. So it was just, it was, it was just lovely to be in that neighborhood and around what I love about the, you know, the, the melting pot of what is the best mm-hmm. parts of Chicago. It was fucking great. It was like you live in a neighborhood like that. Like Albany Park is like that. Albany Park has a feel as a as that kind of a feel, where it feels oh, yeah, like a, it sure. feel, feels like the city. It feels like Chicago. It feels like a neighborhood. There are people 
you know, you go to there are weird little shops and stuff that you wouldn't see anyplace else. It's just fucking great. And so anyway, if you get the Pilsen, do you, do you get the Pilsen ever or any at all? Um, every once in a while, yeah. Yeah, it's just great, man. Now you've lived in uh, in the same sort of neighborhood for for a few years, right? I mean, a bunch of years, Albany Park. Yeah, right? I've been I've been in Albany Park about six, seven years now. Mm-hmm. Are there other? Bef- what, yeah, before that, go before ahead. that, I was in uh, Lincoln Square, and then before that, I was in Edgewater. Oh uh, yeah, okay. So the so the 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 least neighborhoody or melting pot e that you've lived in would be Lincoln Square. Yeah, probably. Um, It was more yuppified Mm -hmm. uh, than Edgewater was, at least when I was living in Edgewater. Um, Mm -hmm. I lived for like a year just after um, college. uh, or Well, not after college, but just like finishing up college. I lived in like right in Lakeview. I lived off of like Belmont and... uh, I think it was like Belmont and School, somewhere around there. It was a few streets over from the the red line, the Belmont red line. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but I only lived there for a year, and then I went to Edgewater after that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the only one was probably, I guess you could say Lakeview, but then yeah, like, no, I wasn't that, there. If, yeah, if I wasn't you, there long enough. If you were by the brown slash red line stop at Belmont and Sheffield, if you were near there, that's the heart of of yuppie dumb <laughs> yeah it's <laughs> like right by the vic theater that's that's like the yeah, that's, yeah. That's, and i yeah. was and i mean at the time it wasn't it was getting there but it yeah. wasn't as much as it is now right like i lived we lived in an apartment building that is no longer there it got torn down and it's now just condos or some ugly houses yeah. that they built um but it was it was not a pretty apartment building or anything it's crazy. Um, it's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy how you know the name. I mean, you know, uh, I mean, Albany Park was changing when I was living there, and I was living there like in the mid aughts, mm-hmm. um, and it was changing uh, and becoming yuppified and gentr- and even more gentrified than it was already. I lived right by um, Roosevelt High School. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right around the corner, by by uh, by the Brown Line, uh, Lawrence and Kimball stop, literally like blocks away from there. Yeah. Um, and that area when we first moved in was a little bit different. It just kept and when I first moved into Andersonville, which is now as, you know, clean and uh and kind of yuppified as you can get. When I first moved in there in like the, the mid early nineties, oh man, mm-hmm. it was it was an interesting neighborhood. <laughs> <You know? laughs> uh so but yeah. But Chicago neighborhoods. I mean, I don't even know what's happening. When I go to when I go to, to Wrigleyville now, I don't even know. You know, I get a, I get off a bus and I look around, I'm like, I don't even and I grew up there. Yeah. And yeah, I, I try not to go there if I don't have to. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like I avoid that in downtown. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I can understand. I can understand that. I think. I think that. I think the downtown. I still love going downtown. I love it. Um, Wrigleyville. Now I just have problems every time. I like the, one of the most miserable days of my life. Definitely one of the most miserable days of the year for me was going to see that Bo is Afraid movie at the Alamo Draft House. I, I wanted to kill myself. Mm. I just wanted to. I, <laughs> the theater sucked. Everything about the experience of seeing that movie in that embarrassment of a movie theater was bad. And then just the whole area it was during a Cub game that we went. Oh no! And then when I <laughs> yeah, and when I got out, the game let out. Like when the movie ended, the game was letting out. And oh, everybody God. was loaded, and yeah, so yeah. 
Yeah, that is not. No, I yeah. no. No. <laughs> no, thank you. Absolutely not. Uh oh. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and Hi, I Carrie. love Nick's show. Oh, oh, she uh, she has a sign that says the Alamo Draft House sucks, even though, and it's this it, this whole thing. It says on her on her sign. Mm-hmm. Um, Alamo Draft House sucks, even though Cocaine Bear played there successfully. All right, Carrie, Hi, I'm thank Carrie you. Russell, wow. and I love <laughs> Nick's show. Thanks very much, Carrie. Dad's going to stop by and tell a joke, too. Um, oh, very all, nice. That's all coming up. But yeah, um, for the people who are listening to this, many people of Esmeralda have to go downtown. Uh, you and I have the luxury of, no, well, no, I do, too, when I go to WLS. Um, yeah. But luckily, that's at like really, really early in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, it's so quiet. <laughs> I, yeah, I can get down there and get out of there uh, kind of quickly. Although I'll tell you what, I'm not on this Friday. I will not be on this Friday. So I'm I the whole weekend of the nightmare. I will I will not have to go downtown. So that'll be good. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, because I'm sure there's probably stuff already happening for Friday. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they were setting up like it was. It was very strange, Esmeralda. Very strange to like ride around especially after seeing a movie about like the end of the world we're like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> driving around downtown going where the hell we can't go down there we can't go there. what is happening what's going on so anyway all right well avoid the downtown area we've said that a couple of times hey uh we are about a month away from flashback um, mm-hmm. the flashback horror convention and uh it'll be your second time mm-hmm. and it'll yep. be my it'll be my 21st time <laughs> so <laughs> Um, and it'll be good because we'll be back on stage again uh, doing a live version of this podcast. We want everybody to come out and be a part of it because the first part of the podcast, we will involve our audience. We have a, a live mic and you guys can come up and we'll chat about horror movies and scary stuff and stuff. And we're going to have like surprise guests. Um, actually, I, I, I'm almost positive that we will get a visit from someone from there. Berwin. Pretty, pretty positive that uh, a, a, a person from is going to be walking up on stage uh, with us. Nice. Uh, and they just announced another guest. Uh, one of the actresses uh, from Phantasm is going to be there uh, who's never been there before. Oh. And I thought every, that's awesome. I, I, I thought I had met everybody from Phantasm. Well, I uh, guess not. But no, Lynn, <laughs> Lynn, Lynn Eastman Rossi is going to be there, and she played Sally in Phantasm. Um, she's the girl who, who is the granddaughter of the creepy old medium woman that Michael visits mm-hmm. at the beginning of the movie where he sticks his hand in the black box and the black mm-hmm. co- box grabs his hand. She's the one who says, put your hand in the black box. She's going to be there. <laughs> so, There's going to be a lot of people having her say that, aren't I mean, let they? Let me tell you something right now. <laughs> if she tells me to put my hand in the black box, I'm not doing it. That's all I'm saying. She's just going to carry a black box around. She's, I, I, I have it's no be a whole doubt. thing. I guarantee you, Esmeralda, at her table, there will be a black box for you to put your hand in. I guarantee nice. you. So anyway, they just announced that. And that's actually a cast member from Phantasm I haven't met. And I'm beside myself. I'm so excited. But yeah, uh, reunion of Christine. The car is going to be there as well. We got a big scream mm. reunion with Rose McGowan uh, and uh, Jamie Kennedy and and the oh, very wow. beautiful and the very beautiful Skeet Ulrich is going to be there, who is also a star of, of uh, he is also the star of The Craft, which is one of my favorite movies ever. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And like twenty seven people from the Terrifier movies, including Art the Clown, is going to be there. Um, Alan Howarth, who was the co composer of many of John Carpenter's movies, 
He's mm-hmm. going to be there, and he's doing a concert on uh, Saturday night. Nice. Um, yeah, it's going to be awesome. He's going to do a concert, so he'll be doing music from a ton of uh, John Carpenter movies that that he helped compose, and, and you know, you'll hear it's. It, I've seen him in concert before, and it's fantastic, and that's going to be great. And then yeah. Friday night, get this, Esmeralda. Friday night, um, Joe Bob Briggs and Sven Gulli on the same stage at the same time. Oh my God! Yeah. How? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's going to be unbelievable. Uh, two television horror show host icons oh, yeah. ever on the same stage doing a show together. So, uh, yeah. And uh, rumor has it that I will be introducing them. That's the rumor. Ooh. That's what I hear. I don't know. That's, <laughs> that's what I yeah, hear. I heard some guy named Nick is going to do it. I don't Jag- know. Some Jagoff is going to introduce him, and thankfully he'll get off the stage and have those two guys get up and do <laughs> Oh, Kelly, the male girl is going to be there, too. Uh, she's awesome. She's mm-hmm. on Joe Bob yeah, Briggs' yeah, 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 last yeah. drive, and she's going to be there, too. But they are doing a full show Friday night after the, after the dealer room closes down and you get your autographs and your photo ops and your pictures and stuff. Yeah, go to the, go, that's awesome. Go to the main ballroom that me and Steve... Uh, and uh, the mayor will be uh, will be a part of, um, and that room is going to be dedicated to this big show that's going to be Joe Bob, the male girl, and Sven Gulli on the same stage. It's going to be fucking great. It's going to be great. Very so, cool. So that's tickets exciting. are on sale now. Flashbackweekend.com. Me and Esmeralda will be there. Esmeralda, it's going to be a blast. We had a great time last year mm-hmm. and a nice turnout. So we expect everybody who's listening to be there. Be a part of it. Show up in droves. Uh, we want the Nick D podcast fans to pack the place. And we'll be doing it on Saturday afternoon, the 5th, I believe at 1230. That's when we did it last year, and I think we're going to do it at the mm-hmm. same time this year. So anyway, prepare for that. All right. Very good. Uh, so Anthony from uh, Elgin sent an email, Esmeralda. Mm-hmm. And as you know, we have uh, been talking about some really – weird and often appalling reality yes. competition shows <laughs> from Fox. Remember we were talking about who's your mm-hmm. daddy yeah. where someone pretended to be a person's dad to win money. Um, and then the, the Swan, which was that horrible plastic surgery makeover show. Mm-hmm. Well, Anthony sends an email and he says, Hey, I just listened to your t- June 20th episode. Uh, on the subject of American game shows that didn't last, may I suggest you check out the woefully underrated television adaptation of You Don't Know Jack. Um, okay. It was great for no other reason than that its host was the amazing Paul Rubens, who was hilarious. Oh. Uh, now, do you remember uh, the video game, the computer game, You Don't Know Jack? Yeah, I remember that. I didn't know. Yeah, I didn't know they made it into a TV show. I mean, that makes sense. They did, it's, and it was, it was, um, it lasted. I don't know why it didn't last very long. I had forgotten until I read Anthony's email. I'd forgotten that that Pee Wee was the host. Yeah, um, and now I want to go back and watch it again because of this. Because obviously Paul Rubens rules the fucking planet, and so, and and I thought you you don't know Jack. Now I was never into computer games or video games or anything like that, but I had a weird connection mm-hmm. to you don't know Jack because the people who started you don't know Jack from scratch are from Chicago. That's a Chicago. Oh. It's a Chicago creation. Oh, nice. Um, and a lot of people from the early days of the Factory Theater mm-hmm. were involved in You Don't Know Jack. People wrote. Oh. I, knew, I know a lot, a lot of people like Sean and Joey and Amy and a few other people from the very beginning of the Factory in the mid-90s 
They wrote trivia questions and they provided some wacky video voices for the computer game. Oh, nice. And I actually, and I'm not kidding you, it was between me and uh, one other guy. I was down, I got, I got through all the auditions and I was down to the final. It was between me and one other guy to actually be the voice of You Don't Know Jack. Oh. And I auditioned and I got that far and then the other guy got it. So I didn't have the other game. But uh, one of my claim to fame was I was almost the voice of You Don't Know Jack. Yeah. It was it was just it was an honor just to be considered. Just to audition and they were like they liked me, you know, and I went in and the audition was a lot of fun. I got to fuck around a lot, um, do and do a lot of voice work and stuff. And um and this was before I got uh the full time gig at the car wash. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, but yeah, but it was between me and the guy who got it. So, uh, just so, so if you want a piece well, of trivia, I mean, Hey, Nick DeGilio was almost the guy who was the voice of, you don't know, Jack. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, I remember the audition was a lot of fun. They had me do a bunch of stuff and you know, they liked me. Uh, yeah. but anyway, but I didn't get the gig, but anyway, so the TV version of it. Which I don't know if it's available. Maybe you can Google it, Esmeralda. You don't know Jack with Paul Rubens. Um, I know there's like there's some YouTube clips and things. So it's out there. Um, we can see. Yeah, chunk- it's out see, there. You can we find can see it. Chunks of it. Yeah. Now, had yes. you ever had you ever played the game? Um, I remember playing the game vaguely. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't anything like, oh my god, we gotta play. <laughs> you don't know Jack tonight. Yeah. Um, but I have played it, and but I've never seen the show. I didn't even know it existed. I mean, this was in, so apparently it, it came out in the 2000s, 2001 right. on ABC. Wow, so God, I mean, it was on ABC. Wow, was, I, yes. I just assumed it was syndicated. Holy crap, ABC, man. Mm-hmm. Okay. And yeah, Paul Rubens, um, if you just do a search for it and you, there's just some images of him, he looks very 2000s. Okay. He, he is the epitome. He has like this shaggy hair. Yeah. He's wearing kind of shiny suits. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, he looks it looks very two thousands. Okay. Now in the and, and that makes sense. That time frame makes sense because like I said, when I was auditioning and they were when and my friends were working on New You Don't Know Jack, mm-hmm. um, that was uh like in the mid nineties. And so like you know, like Computer computer video games at that time were like you remember Mist? Um, no. Okay, familiar. well, if you look up Mist, Mist is one of the very first sort of computer games, and that and that's what we're talking about. So like it was at that time, like it was mm-hmm. not. This was like a you know it, it, computer games were kind of in their infancy at that point. This is like pre-internet, boom, all that stuff. Um, so computer games were a, a, a small niche of people who were dorks, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so for it to make it to TV in 2000 or 2001, that makes sense because when You Don't Know Jack was being launched, it was the mid-90s, and it took off huge as a computer game, and that's why yeah. th- that timeline makes sense, that it would have Paul Rubens in 2000. That would make sense. So how about this? Um, Canadian game shows, as we were talking about earlier, with um, mm-hmm. talk about it. A boot it. A boot it, yeah. <laughs> on the Eon Network, I-O-N, or Ion, however you want to pronounce it, I-O-N Network, um, they um, had some reruns. Of, they used to show Criminal Minds, and then the two best worst of the shows were She's Crafty and Junk Raiders. Oh, um, wow. 
Now, She's Crafty is not the the fantastic female Beastie Boys uh, tribute band from Chicago who fucking rule. That's not... <laughs> have you ever seen... By the way, have you ever seen She's Crafty, Esmeralda? I have the, not, no. Oh, you gotta go. It's, they're the female Beastie Boys uh, uh, tribute band. They fucking rule. They rule. So you gotta see She's Crafty. They play... It's summertime. Look for them at Street Fests because mm-hmm. they, yeah, yeah. they play a lot. Check them out. She's Crafty. They got a website. They are the all-female badass Beastie Boys tribute uh, band and they kick ass anyway she's crafty and junk raiders mm-hmm. the former featured a wannabe punk rock pixie chick haphazardly making kitschy pillows and <laughs> and faux heavy metal wall decor and tacky clothes clothes that would f- that would look good on divine and pink flamingos she would make them out of old records studded leather and overused hot glue all the time oh wow <laughs> Wikipedia's description of the show was most of the projects that were shown required no talent or skills. <laughs> so that's She's Crafty. Are you familiar Interesting. with it? So that's She's Crafty. No, I've never seen it. No. So anyway, that's a, the best description ever. Right? I would watch that. A wannabe punk rock pixie chick haphazardly making kitschy pillows, heavy metal, yeah. uh, faux heavy metal wall decor, tacky clothes. Uh, and and uh, out of old records and studded leather and stuff. So yeah. So she, I don't remember if she's crafty, but apparently it was on Ion Network. Mm-hmm. And then the other one was Junk Raiders. Do you familiar with Junk Raiders? No. That was sort of a game show. He said there were two teams. One consisted of a building contractor, an interior decorator, and carpenters, and the other was f- f- comprised of free cyclers, quote unquote. Or, as we hear in the States, refer to them as dumpster divers. So, in Canada, they were called free cyclers, but here they're dumpster uh, divers. With a budget of $5,000 in Canadian money, both teams were in a month-long race to convert an old steel factory into a high-end loft apartment. Oh, my God. One team <laughs> That's a used, lot. <laughs> one one team used their standard construction materials like wood, nail screws, drywall, etc. Um, and the free cyclers could only use material that they found in the trash. At one point they helped set up a hotline for viewers to donate their garbage to the free oh, that's cyclers. That's fun. At the end of the series, there was a celebratory party for the victors with food provided by the free cyclers, produce that they pulled from a trash can near a grocery store. <laughs> And 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 uh, and Anthony says, in a word, the show is amazing. I mean, that's a month long. A month long. So this is yeah, this is like you're gonna binge watch this because yeah, every, you know, it's not um, it, it's, it's it's not it's, alone episodes. Like you, right, you have to you get invested. You've got the same people working for one cause for the entire series, like building this one this one apartment. Yeah, yeah. So it's called Junk Raiders. Interesting. Um, and uh, and and Anthony sings its praises. I mean, God, the description of it sounds. It, the, both of these things sound fantastic. Um, she's crafty and Junk Raiders, and Junk Raiders is the Canadian one where dumpster divers take on real contractors to build a cool apartment or condo. Yeah, see, that's. I mean, I like that idea. Yeah. See, doesn't that sound better than like who's your fucking daddy? Like, yeah, hey, I'm amazed they didn't bring that. Uh, to the states, I'm surprised too. That sounds so cool. Um, so, uh, Anthony suggests that we take a look for, and you can do a little Google search on it. She's crafty, and then junk raiders. And uh, and if you know about these, 
about these shows and uh, and you've watched them and you want to share your opinion, 773-417-6948 or nickdpodcast at gmail.com. And then on the subject of Japanese television, Anthony continues. By the way, Anthony, thank you uh, for this extensive email <laughs> for, <laughs> for which you did much research. And I thank you for listening to the podcast. And first and foremost, thank you very much for participating. On the subject of Japanese television, consider seeking out, if you haven't already, the reality show Old Enough with an exclamation point. Oh, yeah, that's on Netflix. Oh, so you know this one. Okay, what is Yeah, what is that's on enough? Netflix. Okay. Um, it's essentially little kids between the ages of, like, three and probably five, and they get sent out to do, like, very minimal tasks. And in Japan, people take care of kids there. <laughs> Yeah, in the sense that like strangers aren't just gonna be like get the fuck out away from right, the right. kid, like little kids. Right. So these kids are going off to like they'll go to the store and they'll go to the market and buy like one thing, or go pick up something from someone's house um, that their parents have then sent them off to go do. So then there's a cameraman following them um, on their little journey uh, through their town in Japan. Okay. So when this is on Netflix, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. okay, all right. So that's old enough. Do you like it? Yeah, it's very cute. The kids are very. I mean, they're like little whip smart kids. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you you can tell there's very much a difference between like you would never let your kid just go off by themselves when they were three years old. That's true. That's um, true. I, I I think yeah. I, you know, I think right now if parents are listening to this, they're they're terrified at the thought of this. right. Um, but here's what he here's how Anthony describes it. You described it perfectly because here's how Anthony from Elgin describes it as well. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. He says, think amazing race, but with toddlers. No kidding. Um, Three year olds are sent out on their own to invest to navigate neighborhoods and busy city streets. Their goal, get to the supermarket safely without getting killed with their parents shopping list. Um, and he said, he said, children sent out into traffic on their own. Now, that's great TV. <laughs> so, that's how Anthony describes it. But so yeah. that's on. Are there a lot of seasons of it? It's on Netflix. So I was assuming. Um, yeah, I think they I mean, I don't know. I haven't watched it in a in a bit, but um, I think they had they had a few. They had a lot of episodes. They're very fast because it's they're just making the kid do one like one yeah. small yeah. task. <laughs> I'm um, going to have the kid wandering the streets <laughs> in the middle of the night. Yeah. Or anything like yeah. That. It's not a whole like series of things that they must be hey, doing. Get, get, take the take the pink line to 18th Street. Go to Pilsen and pick up this thing I need. So that's, that's not going to work out. Yeah, uh, that's not going to work. But old enough, okay. And that's a great way. I mean, you know, the the bullet points, the way to describe it. Think Amazing Race with toddlers. That right there would get me. Yeah, it's it's very cute, and you okay. see like they because they too, you know, because they're little kids, and they're getting uh, this task that it's like. Now listen, it's this is important. I need you to go get this. Blah blah blah. Right, so right, then they're right. like, "Oh right, I'm gonna go by myself." Like they're just like hyping themselves up, and it's really cute. That's great. Now, do they use different kids in each episode, or is it the same yeah. kids? Yeah, oh, it's okay. always different kids. It's okay. each each one is a different kid. All right. Well, okay, that's old enough. Then that's uh, and uh, thank you, Anthony from Elgin, uh, who I think spends a significant amount of time watching weird TV. So and that's always right. good for us. <laughs> So she's crafty. You can look that up somewhere. Google that. And Junk Raiders, 
which I'm going to Google immediately when we're done recording this. Because <laughs> 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 I, I want to watch that. And then Old Enough, which is available, as you said, Esmeralda, and is good. And you can see that on uh, your Netflix. Mm-hmm. Wow. All right. So those are we have other crazy and awful reality TV shows that you know what we didn't get to because uh, Anthony's <laughs> Anthony's email yeah, was so he actually gave us some good ones <laughs> he did no, the these ones are... on this list are frightening right and you want to <laughs> like... stay yeah these are actually ones that you might want to seek out and watch and again if you can find mm-hmm. like you said Esmeralda there are like some YouTube swatches of you don't know Jack with um, mm-hmm. with uh, Pee Wee on it with uh, uh, Paul Rubens so um, yeah. And if you go back and, and and listen or play the old computer game of You Don't Know Jack, every time you hear the announcer's voice or stuff like that, think of me. That could have been me. Yeah. <laughs> could have been me. <laughs> but it wasn't, so I didn't get it. Anyway, all right. Uh, hey, you know what? It's I believe it's already time for my dad's joke. Hold on a minute. Uh-oh. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I Hi, love Nick's show. Hi, Carrie. Hi. Get out All of the right. way, Carrie. Get out of the way, Carrie. What the hell is wrong with you? All right. It's the best part of the week, baby. It's time to hear something funny. Here we go with your music intro. Ah! It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. Nick's dad tells a joke. Yeah. What'd I say? It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. Nick's dad tells a joke. Oh, yes! Here we go! Yeah. All right. It's time for my dad's joke. Esmeralda, you love my dad's jokes. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, he always loves to stop by on Tuesday, push Carrie Russell out of the way. <laughs> she's gotta, she's got, she is so never going to do this she podcast. She gets in the way. She's going to move. <laughs> All right, Dad. Go ahead, man. Whenever I stash my arrows, I can't help but quiver. Oh God! What? what I'm telling he's he's on a what did we what is it called? A pun? He's on yeah. The, he's on his pun. Yeah, his pun era. His pun, his, he's going through a pun phase, I guess. My dad is. Yeah, because that's not necessarily a joke. That was more of a yeah. That's kind of a pun. <laughs> You put your arrows away, you quiver. You can't help but quiver. Yeah. Oh, God. That was jokey, jokey, jokey time. It was a jokey, jokey, jokey time. Nick's dad told a joke. Yeah. Ow! All right, there you go. All right. So uh, the next time uh, on the show, by the way, uh, my uh, my guest next uh, next episode will be the lovely Marnie Shure. Mm, from, nice. Uh, the Takeout, and we are going to talk about um, uh, Netflix pop up restaurants. Are you familiar with this mm. as well? Mm-hmm. I've seen, yeah, I've, I've heard of them. Um, we're going to talk about the six best grocery items of the year so far and the best and worst mm-hmm. fast food items of the year so far. Nice. And The Bear is back on Hulu. Which is oh, yes. A yeah, show yeah, that yeah. everybody is talking about that uh, I won't watch because I thought the first season was shit. So uh, <laughs> there you go. Have you watched The Bear, by the way? Wrong. I watched a couple episodes, but I, can't, I don't know. I just get like weird when it's... They're trying to to do something yeah. in the place where I live. Yeah. No. 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 <laughs> and it's, it is, and it's, it's just everybody in it kind of is like trying too hard. Ab- I feel absolutely, like, I absolutely, Esmeralda. It is as in a, if you are a Chicagoan, you should think that show is a fucking joke. Yeah. That's all I'm I saying. Get the, I get just that's, the. Ugh. I just kind of no, get weird about I, it. I, I, I'm like, I watched. Mm, I, I watched. Watch the, I watched the whole first <laughs> season. And I was like, none of this is authentic. It's a bunch of horse shit. This is not Chicago. This is not. Beef. This is not. I mean, the only thing that they got right on that show is people yell a lot when they're online in a kitchen. 
That's it. Yeah. <laughs> Outside of that, it is the most inauthentic sack of bullshit ever shot in Chicago. And the fact that Chicagoans are embracing this show disappoints me deeply. <laughs> so, but anyway, we'll talk about that with Marnie. And, uh, but people love it. And everybody's, I don't know if you know this or not, but in season two, which just, uh, you know, has aired. Mm-hmm. Apparently episode six, Jamie Lee Curtis is in it. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. And Gillian Jacobs from Community is in it. Mm-hmm. And, and at one point, Jamie Lee Curtis, who apparently is great in it, also says jag off twice. So people, oh. I'm getting nonstop emails. As so you can was imagine. she was she in Chicago then? No, no, no. She filmed her shit in L.A. There's no. She probably did like <sighs> a day's because she's only in one episode. And she probably did like a day's oh, okay. work. Okay. And she plays so I was like oh, you're in the same. She I vicinity. guess she, she played. Nope, she wasn't in town. No way. They no. Uh, they they. I guess like what they do is I guess this is a flashback episode. And she mm-hmm. plays the mother of the main character in a flashback. Ah, okay. Got and it. so everybody's like, oh, you got to watch it. It's, first of all, the show's great. And I'm like, no, I hate the show. I think the show sucks. And you're telling me Jimmy Lee Curtis is in it. And okay. And then someone was like, yeah, Nick, you'll love it. Because not only is Jimmy Lee Curtis in it, but Gillian Jacobs from Community is in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you'll love it even more because uh, they play R.E.M. in it. And I'm like, okay, well, that's, that's it. I'm done. <laughs> Why the fuck? <laughs> So anyway, but we'll get into the bear with uh, with Marnie on uh, on mm-hmm. Friday. So anyway, uh, Esmeralda, you rule. Thank you so much. My thanks to Thank uh, Dan Fein- Dan Feinberg uh, for talking about TV. Oh, by the way, mm-hmm. from what I understand, Esmeralda, I forgot we already talked about the bear with Dan. Uh, I guess it slipped my mind. Not that I'm recording with him after we finish here. Um, well, you know, perspectives, <laughs> I, different perspectives. I completely forgot. I completely forgot that Dan. <laughs> yeah, I forgot, Esmeralda. It's you not that... also get to yell about it twice. Yeah, See? <laughs> I forgot. I forgot that. I completely forgot that. It's not that I'm taping with him after you. No, no, no. that's not what's no. happening. <laughs> My thanks to Dan Feinberg for what I'm sure will be an amazing visit. Um, for me, mm-hmm. <laughs> but thank to you, uh, Esmeralda, you rule. And everybody, be a part of the podcast. 773-417-6948. Voicemail us anytime you want. Email us, nickdpodcast at gmail.com. Oh, we didn't even get to our magic megaphone. We'll do that next time. Oh, goodness. And, oh, that's so much coming up here. And my thanks to Ed and everybody at Radio Misfits and Jason Skaggs. And my thanks to you. Check us out next time on the Nick D Podcast at radiomisfits.com. 